Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another very exciting conversation where we tackle COP28, Africa, the role that African governments are playing in this process, and also how the private sector participants are contributing towards the achievement of specific undertakings through the establishment and pursuit of adaptation and mitigation projects. I'm joined today by Nanama Boshwe, all the way from Ghana, to tell us a little bit more about the situation um, in, in Ghana and what Ghana is doing to promote the objectives of the Paris Agreement. Nanama is the founder of Endwana and Company. She's ranked as a leading lawyer in Legal 500, Chambers and Partners, and the International Financial Law Review. She's advised on numerous clients and significant investments and investments in Ghana and in other parts of Africa, including a 200, 000, a 200 million US dollar sale of Fan Milk International, the acquisition and development and divestment of Moving uh, Moving Pick Ambassador Hotel, and Leap for Strategic and African Investments is US dollar 180 million investment in Enterprise Insurance Group. She's a graduate of Princeton University's Woodrow Wilson School Undergraduate Program, the New York University's Stern School of Business, and Columbia University's School of Law. Wow. Thank you so much for being with us today, Nanawa. It's very exciting to have you with us. I'd like uh, to kick off with uh, a bit of a conversation around Ghana and its undertakings under the Paris Agreement and how your government is trying to give effect to these undertakings. Thanks, Nanawa. Yeah, thanks, Ernst. Um, thank you so much for having me on. Um, this is, as you know, one of my favorite topics. Um, and uh, and who better to talk to about these things than you, because you're so knowledgeable. Um, so what's Ghana doing? Um, this is one of the areas where there's lots of good news. Um, so as you probably know, Ghana um, has committed to reducing uh, greenhouse gas emissions by at least 15% by 2030. And um, shortly before COP26, uh, Ghana outlined a comprehensive set of mitigation and adaptation actions uh, across various economic sectors, including decarbonization of oil and gas production and scaling up renewable energy penetration by 10% by 2030. So what, what have we actually been doing? Well, the government has been doing um, a significant amount. Um, so the first thing is um, they are focusing on a renewable energy transition. So in um, November of last year, uh, we published the National Energy Transition Framework, which sets out um, long-term targets for uh, moving to renewable energy uh, and ultimately to 100% re renewable energy by 2070. Currently, we're at 35%. Um, if you take into consideration uh, the power generated by hydro, um, sorry, we're at, yes, we're at 36%. So hydro makes up 35% and, um, and other renewables make up the 1%, but we're still at 64% uh, power generated by thermal, thermal sources. So um, we adopted this framework last year. The government has removed um, the moratorium on wholesale electricity licenses uh, for renewable energy suppliers. 
And um, we have uh, it's entered into the Scaling Up Renewable Energy Project, which consists of providing mini grids in 35 communities around uh, the Lake Volta, um, which, as you might know, is the largest, uh, largest man-made lake. And we've also adopted a green minerals policy, which and the goal of the policy is to ensure um, the utilization of our uh, green minerals for the benefit of Ghana whilst prioritizing um, environmental sustainability. So on the uh, renewable energy transition front, lots of activity. There's more that I could talk about, but um, in, in the limited time that we have, I think uh, that sort of highlights some of the things that the government's been working on. We've also, um, Ghana's also entered into um, some reforestation red uh, plus credit agreements. And these are emissions reductions payment agreements. Um, one such agreement has been signed um, and uh, we know of some others that are also in the works. Uh, so this is also a very exciting development. Um, and Ghana, as you as you are aware, has entered into um, a carbon tra credit trading arrangement with Switzerland. I think it was I believe it's the first one signed. Um, we have also entered into two more with Sweden and Singapore. And um, you know, we set up a carbon markets office within the EPA, which has put together a carbon credit trading framework, um, which discuss it ha discusses how it, how it all works in Ghana. So lots of institution building and capacity building around uh, carbon credit trading, which also um, I think is, is potentially very impactful. Then on the adaptation side, um, we have the Ghana National Adaptation Plan, which provides a framework for addressing climate change impacts and um, building resilience. It assesses climate risks, outlines sector-specific strategies, and promotes uh, the mainstreaming of climate change, strengthening institutions and mobilizing resources. And the important thing about the, the plan is that it creates a framework for the introduction of um, regulation, passage of laws and, and more detailed regulations. So, you know, in short, that that's a sort of snapshot of the sorts of things that we've been doing. Thanks, Nanama. I'm so excited to hear about all the developments in Ghana and in particular in relation to the mechanisms that you're pursuing under Article 6.2 of the Paris Agreement, which focuses on these voluntary cooperative agreements uh, where different signatories, Ghana and Switzerland, Ghana, Singapore, all work together to see as a global community if we are able to jointly decrease uh, greenhouse gas emissions in order to achieve the, the targets of the Paris Agreement and see if we can keep um, global temperature rises to below 1.5 degrees. I read yesterday that we're now at a 14% chance of achieving that. So it's it's incredibly important that governments follow Ghana's example and see how we can turn natural capital, natural resources into assets for African countries. And I can think of so many countries across the, the Western parts of Africa, the central parts of Africa, that can really use these mechanisms to, to the benefit mm -hmm. of the country, economies and, and communities. Mm. And I think that, that takes me nicely into the next point where I am interested to hear your take 
uh, on the contribution that African businesses can make to, to this conversation, to aspects related to mitigation, adaptation, engaging with the environment, ensuring that we achieve the objectives of the Paris Agreement. What unique perspectives do you think African businesses bring to this conversation? Hmm. Yeah, I think um, we bring a lot of unique perspectives. As you know, uh, doing anything on the continent requires ingenuity, it requires resourcefulness, it requires um, adaptability and flexibility. And so we bring all of that to the climate change conversation. Um, you know, when with with the um, significant problem of dealing with the unbanked or underbanked, um, we developed mobile money, which has been you know transformative not just in Africa but globally. And when you look at what's happening, what businesses are doing um, in on the continent and and in Ghana specifically, I, I see great parallels. So. Um, we've been struggling for with um, uh, stable power supplies, uh, just as, as one example, for a long time. And in response to that, um, companies have been moving towards sustainable um, sources of off-grid uh, power supply. So mini grids, um, inverters, solar, it, you know, companies have been finding solutions to their problems and finding um, sustainable and uh, green solutions to their problems. So I think what African businesses bring to the conversation is that kind of um, ingenuity and innovation um, to solve some of these um, very difficult and uh, very expensive problems. So I would say bringing um, you know, unique solutions and oftentimes cost-effective solutions. So, yeah, I think um, another important perspective is, is that, you know, the perspective of the host uh, country in the carbon credit trading and adaptation programs. Um, you know, generally we're the producers of the carbon credits and as such, you know, we have an important role in influencing the design of programs that work for the producers as well as the purchases of the credits. We've had to grapple already with um, some of the biggest challenges, uh, including measurement, verification and tracking of mitigation and outcomes. So um, we have, I think, a very important uh, perspective um, to share in, in, in that regard as well. Thank you, Nana. I, mean, I, I absolutely agree. I, I love the fact that, that you highlight just how resilient uh, African businesses are, um, and like water, I think Africans will always find a way. It's not mm -hmm. always the obvious way, it's not always the easiest way, but eventually we will yeah. find a way. And I think um, we, be, because we often have to compete with the West, but mm -hmm. in, in a lot more difficult and challenging operating circumstances, that means that you sometimes have to be quite creative with, with finding specific solutions. And I think of our own situation in South Africa, where there is a power struggle, an electricity power struggle, I should say, similar to yeah. what it is that you're experiencing in Ghana. 
And um, as, as a response, a lot of houses now have solar rooftop systems up and running, which means that South Africa has got a massive new economy that has developed in this private sector renewable energy space. Although we're not yeah. feeding back into the grid yet, it means that a lot of the houses, a lot of households that would be and generating a lot of um, greenhouse gas emissions through the using electricity that's generated by our own coal-fired power stations are just no longer to, um, no longer emitting greenhouse gases at the same level, and it's simply because of South Africa's own load shedding schedules. There is a bit of a limitation to how far Africans can take it, um, and I always think of the often too overused but still very true um, saying that goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you have to go together. Um, mm. And I wonder what role COP28 can play um, in enabling African businesses to mm. meaningfully contribute to this change uh, and to a net zero economy. Mm. Well, once again, my favorite topic, I think in COP28, COP28, they need to show Africans the money. Um, the significant funding gap uh, that we have is a problem and it's everybody's problem. So once again, we need to put, you know, the funding issue front and center. And I think that's a very important thing that um, we need to focus on at COP28. Um, the other thing uh, that I think we need to really focus on at COP28 is something that I've already touched on, which is that Africans need to have a seat at the table. And we need to be uh, an important part of the conversation and the rulemaking and the designing of systems. And we need to be part of everything. This is not something that um, can be crafted in one part of the world and then just sort of foisted on everybody else. If we're not part of the conversation and um, the things that are, you know, challenges and, and opportunities in Africa are not taken into consideration, we're not going to find a workable global solution. So I think those are the two really important things. We need to be serious about funding um, and we need to be very inclusive in this conversation. Thank you, Nana. I again, I really like that because this is a theme that I've had in all of the similar conversations that I've had with local council friends from across the continent, um, emphasizing the fact that Africa's got the minerals that will power the green revolution. Africa has got the people that have been impacted by what that will probably impacted most severely by the changes in that that are being brought about through climate change, these extreme weather events. Um, and Africa also presents a lot of the solutions to the problems because we have a, a big la young labor force that can help with manufacturing. Uh, we have, as I said, the minerals that are available. Uh, we have a lot of room for development as well. And of course, ample natural resources, lots and yeah. lots and lots of sunlight, wind and water to ensure that we power the development of the globe uh, with renewable energy. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for your insights. Uh, they are, as always, very much appreciated. Thanks, Ernst.